Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove, and today I'd like to talk about the art of dying. As a person in my 70s, it's something I think about from time to time. And recently, I took a look at all of the people I have interviewed since we started the original Thinking Aloud television series back in 1986 who have passed on. And uh, we have a memoriam page for them on the thinkingaloud.com website. I'm scrolling through their pictures right now. There are over 50 people, and uh, I've had the great pleasure of having had intimate conversations with them one-on-one -on -one about some of the most important things they've thought about in their lives. But now they've passed on, and there's a sense, even though None of them, to my awareness, have reached out to contact me since they've gone. There's a sense in which I still have a feeling of intimacy with them. And while they're no longer alive here on planet Earth, I feel their presence and their vitality still. Now, the art of dying was, in the Middle Ages, a major topic that people thought about because, well, for one thing, people died very young. And for another thing, there were pestilences and plagues. And the church was very strong in Western Europe at that time. And so the art of dying had a lot to do with confessing your sins and becoming uh, prepared for death in the eyes of the church itself. But in today's day and age, we have many other ways of thinking about death and dying. We have, for example, a large body of research concerning near-death experiences. Many, many dozens of books and reports in that arena. We have research with trance mediums. We have uh, people who endeavor to communicate with the other side using various electronic means. And uh, we have research on reincarnation. As I think about it, it strikes me that the realm of spirit is completely open-ended. That is to say, it can be whatever you want it to be, whatever you think it will be, perhaps, if you're prepared, you'll reach the highest heaven of the highest deity and merge with the divine itself. Or perhaps you'll hang around and uh, haunt some familiar location, maybe a bar where you enjoyed uh, whiskey and cigars. Or maybe you'll decide to be reincarnated. Or maybe you will uh, become a bird and enjoy nature or visit other planets or live in the land of 10,000 Buddhas. The possibilities are almost endless. But preparation may be important because if we die without any preparation for that grand initiation that awaits us, what, what is likely to become of us? I'm thinking of George Harrison, the musician who died several years ago, but he made it a point towards the end of his life, and he was suffering from cancer, so he knew he would die, to die consciously. He wanted to go through the whole process wide awake and conscious, completely aware of the transition. That's a worthy goal. 
I think. It's probably not a goal shared by most people. I think many people would like to be numb or asleep or not aware of, of the process. But perhaps some of you would like to die consciously. Now, it's interesting in George Harrison's case, he was attacked by a, um, a burglar, someone who, who broke into his estate and tried to kill him and actually almost succeeded. He was taken to the hospital with severe injuries. And his big regret at the time was because he had been traumatized that he wouldn't be able to die consciously. And that accident or injury probably accelerated his death. But eventually, he died peacefully under hospice circumstances. And his wife, Olivia, who was there at the time, remarked that the room glowed. It was as if she said, if you had been there with a camera, you would have seen the light. It was palpable. It was visible. That reminds me a little bit of the death of my uh, close mentor and friend, Arthur M. Young, of whom I've spoken in a previous segment of In Presence. When he died, there was a double rainbow around the sun in the San Francisco Bay Area where he lived. In fact, it was so unusual that it was photographed and reported in the newspaper. And it gave me a sense, having known him personally, that he had ascended into the heavens. I have a few other images uh, I want to share with you regarding death. Here, we're looking at a, a painting by Malsby Kimball, former president of the Anthroposophical Association of America, the organization originally founded by the Austrian mystic Rudolf Steiner. It's called Master and Disciples, and it suggests that on the astral plane, which would be the hyperspace dimension in which the departed can exist, that the possibility for spiritual growth and continuation of individual identity occurs there, just as it might occur here on Earth, although I should think it would be very different on the astral plane. The uh, philosopher H. H. Price suggested that being dead from what he could tell, and he was a student of the uh, spiritualist and psychical research literature of the time, he thought it would be like existing in a dream, maybe a lucid dream, maybe not so lucid, but that uh, dying is sort of like entering a dream world. I'd also like to share with you this illustration from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, where you see the deceased is having his heart weighed. There's a judgment, in other words, which is common to many, many traditions around the world, a judgment. And in this case, the heart is weighed against a feather, the feather of ma'at or the feather of truth. And if the heart is lighter than a feather, then the deceased gets to enter into the paradise of Osiris. The Egyptian Book of the Dead contains additional instructions as well about purifying the heart, about cleansing the soul of guilt from many sins. And so, confession is also an important part of the uh, Egyptian tradition. And now, here's a, an illustration that was taken from a 
Chinese Taoist temple in Taiwan. This illustration is uh, an antique hanging that exists right outside the doorway of this very studio. So all of my guests here, now that we've relocated to Albuquerque, pass by this temple hanging as they come in to be interviewed. And once again, you see a judgment and you see uh, the judge deciding what will be the future for the uh, people who uh, have been are, are deceased. They're wearing little hats, almost like in Disneyland, Mickey Mouse hats. But the people who are cruel to animals, you'll see, go into a realm where they have to carry animals on their shoulders. So it's a very common image, the idea of uh, judgment and karma, that whatever you did in, in your past life, you will have to be accountable for. In the near-death literature, there's quite a bit that's talked about in terms of past life review. In other words, once you're deceased, your entire life moment by moment, instant by instant, in full vividness, passes in front of you. You feel the pain that other people experienced because of your actions, and you feel the pleasure other people experienced because of you. In earth time, this can happen in a few moments, but actually, while you're experiencing it in the out-of-body or near-death state, it may seem like a lifetime. It's so vivid and so real. Time is quite different in the, I guess you could call it, the realm of eternity. Well, so we have all of these different options to consider. But I would think many of you, like me, are baby boomers. You're uh, beginning to realize that you're at least in the second half of your life at this point. And the idea of preparing for death, to try and die consciously or creatively, to make your life as meaningful as possible these remaining years is important to you, as it is important to me. So I'd like to leave you with this thought. What kind of a death would you like to have? And what kind of a life would you like to have at the moment of your death? when one might say you've achieved the culmination of your life, how would you like your life to culminate? I'll leave you with that thought, and thank you for being with me.